Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. One by one, we will be free of spoilers of future episodes, but we have full spoilers for episodes that we have already discussed on this podcast. Dressing up like a road flare, I'm Jason. And I'm Herb Saunders. Nice to meet you. Jason, tell me what episode we're watching today. <laughs> we are watching Angels, Season 1, Episode 6, Sense and Sensitivity. This is the one where mm-hmm. Kate gets a little in touch with her emotions, and her and along with the rest of the precinct just kind of let them fly. Yes, they do. Ugh. Sense and Sensitivity was written by Tim Minear and directed by James A. Contner, and originally aired on November 9th, 1999. Uh, what an emotional whiplash November 9th, 1999 must have been, going from wild at heart to sense and sensitivity. Yeah, a little... It's, it's a very strange progression, now that you think about it, now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah. Jason, tell me what you're drinking. Um, I am drinking some scotch back to my regular. Um, yeah, nothing too exciting here. Uh, also, my regular. I've got a uh, glass of red wine. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, this has been a trying week. Um, we're recording this after the, uh, the attack on the Capitol. Um, so I think anything that can bring us comfort is okay and good. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, it's been one hell of a week. Uh, Jason knows this because he is the person who does this with me, but I like, with everything going on in the world this week, I like forgot that we had to do this. I like on whatever day it was, I texted Jason and I was like, oh my God, like (laughs) we need to record an episode. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little surprised that your text came as late as it did, and, but, I mean, you know what, the, the country is kind of going through a thing right now, and, um, yeah, but, uh, let's go back, if you will, to the year of our common era, 1999, and, uh, we go to, uh, a guy named Spivy. Who is uh, trying to run away from uh, somebody in Los Angeles. But unfortunately, he sees a silhouette that he is very much afraid of. And that is our very own detective, Kate Lockley. Um, who... I, I like this shot a lot. This is a good, this is a good opening shot. Um... But you know what's weird about this? The music. I don't know if you like noticed it at all, but there's oh, really? just I didn't there's really some notice. weird weird effects going on i mean go back and listen to it you're like at first i thought there was something else like my phone or something going off in the background but then i realized that my phone doesn't sound like that this is in the actual show (laughs) yeah i I actually like the way that the buffy wiki puts this um spivy is uh, uh, as he reaches his car and starts to get inside spivy is overtaken by detective kate lockley whose flying kick smashes him back against the open car door. I wish it was more exciting than that scene actually was. 
Um, this does almost seem like a Buffy opening, just like transplanted over to Angel with uh, Buffy uh, or Kate Lockley, like cut, copy and pasted into Buffy's role. You know, the weird thing about this episode, it feels like it's a whole different show. It's not even yes. the Angel that we've been watching. It's like Angel and company wandered into like a cop drama like Blue Bloods or something like that. I, I feel like I'm going to come down really hard on this episode. Just just spoilers, I do not like this episode. Yeah, you didn't sound too uh, enthused about it in the intro. But, uh, yeah, so Kate is basically asking this guy to uh, give up the info that she needs for, um, to find the uh, mob boss, uh, Little Tony, uh, a.k.a. Tony Papazian. And he, of course... Are you sure it wasn't Tony Soprano? (laughs) Because, damn. Tony wouldn't have got Tony Soprano would have got caught, <laughs> <laughs> and he also would have let a lot more profanity fly. Fair, but fair um, so uh, when he doesn't give up the info, Kate just decides to cuff him and book him, and they show her inside the interrogation room. She and Spivy have apparently been in there for hours, and. Uh, She's being observed by a couple of other cops from the precinct. And yeah, you'll notice that we haven't actually talked about Angel at all because it takes a little nope. while for him, for them to remember like what the show is. Uh, but yeah, um, he's, Spivy <coughs> does not want to give up little Tony in the slightest. And this basically makes Kate go from like bad cop to angry cop. And like, there's no good cop in this. It's, it's just... Nope. It's just angry and bad cop, and they're both Kate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, she immediately like starts like pinning him against the wall, and that's when uh, that's when the other officers like, okay, okay, let's go, let's go. And um, clearly, Kate is very uh, intent on getting a hold of little Tony because. Uh, I mean, he's a big mob boss, and um, I-, I assume that Kate likes her job, so she likes being a cop and wants to uh, deliver justice. Um, but uh, yeah, they say that without Spivy's info, uh, little Tony's just gonna be in the wind, and they say, "Oh, well, you know what? We can't. Um, we don't have like anybody that can get him to talk." And so uh, this gives Kate an idea. Little light bulb dings over her head. Um, now we go to Angel. <laughs> yeah, we this we get this scene with Angel battling like a some sort of giant tentacled demon of some sort. Um, and I, there's this really little detail. It's very minor, but it did give me a chuckle that apparently the only way to kill this thing is with this specific enchanted sword that Doyle's apparently been like running around trying to find. He does have that good line. Uh, the enchanted, the enchanted store, the enchanted sword store wasn't open on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he um he kills well he thinks he angel thinks he kills the monster and then just like leaves doyle very very callously leaves doyle and cordelia to like dismember it i 
I feel like Angel's really out of character in this episode. Yeah, it, it seems that the uh, emotional distance that he portrays in this. I mean, we know that our we know that our boy is emotionally distant. We know that he. Um, yeah. We know that he can be quite a brooder, but this is not. He's the, not uncaring. Yeah, and um, and, and we've seen that already in this series. Um, I think this was purely done for the plot mm. of the episode. Um, yeah. I will say though. We have a very uh, funny, funny little bit before we cut to the credit to the opening uh, when Cordelia is just going on and on about how Angel never listens to her, doesn't care. Meanwhile, uh, she is not listening to Doyle, who is being choked out by one of the tentacles of this still alive monster. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this feels very in character. (laughs) And I do love her like her the, the, the punchline of this joke as... Doyle's being strangled behind her, and she just goes, can you say clueless? <laughs> and then cut to the credits. Speaking um, of cutting to the fun. credits, we uh, we did not um, do a toast. So, oh, shit. We did. Um, <laughs> while we've got this nice little breaking point, thank you, episode. Um, so, uh, here, um, uh, I, I, was pi- I was picking up my drink to take a drink, and I'm like, I haven't drank from this yet, and typically we drink from the toast. Oh, toast. Um, yeah, here's to the, uh, here's to the good things in life, and may we enjoy them for as long as we have them. Cheers. All right, back to the episode. (laughs) (laughs) So, Cordelia and Doyle actually get back to the office, and they are just covered with the guts of this, (laughs) of this, uh, thing that they were (laughs) trying to kill, because they did have to dismember it, um... Angel did say uh, cut all the tentacles and bury them separately because he didn't want it coming back alive again. I was going to say, is this the judge? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you never know. What about that guy who was able to, like, just fall to pieces? Is something even more recently. (laughs) Okay, so this is our theme. Okay. Um uh, And Cordelia has similar uh, disdain for this task of uh, dismembering like she did with the judge as well yeah it's uh well i mean does anybody really want to dismember a body i don't think you want the answer to that question buddy it's <laughs> gonna lead to some dark places from you i not necessarily jesus well i mean I mean, even in Dexter... Scientific curiosity. (laughs) Even in Dexter, it seems like the the actual cleanup is a little bit... uh, I don't think that Dexter's as happy about that as he is about like, Ooh, I'm gonna gonna play around with you, I'm gonna cut your face a little, then I'm gonna stab you right through the chest. Like, that's the fun part, but then you gotta clean up. And it's, it's like washing the dishes after cooking a big meal. You, mm-hmm. it's just annoying. That's fair. Uh, so yeah, like, and which is probably why Cordelia and Doyle are not happy with having to do the dishes. <laughs> it, Cordelia decides to let Angel have a piece of her mind, um, saying that she's not taking any more orders from him, and all Angel is trying to do is say that her mom called. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of few references to Cordelia's parents uh, that we get. Uh, presumably her mom's not in prison. 
it did seem to be that the uh, focus was on her dad. Um, yeah. I could easily see them just trying to pin it all on him. Uh, in because I'm having like I'm having like Arrested Development flashbacks, and I'm picturing Cordelia's mom as like Lucille, like masterminding <laughs> everything and like setting up her husband to take the fall. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's my oh, head man. Canon They're all now. in the same universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cordelia is actually a bluth. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, what a crossover that would be. Um, that'd be that'd be a weird one. But uh, yeah, and Doyle and Cordelia are basically calling Angel out on his lack of emotional connection. Which hey, then Kate's there, so. Angel just is like, hey, I'm going to ignore this conversation. And uh, uh, Kate goes into uh, his office. He follows her. And then Cordelia says, Mr. and Mrs. Spock need to mind meld now. So Kate also has the reputation of being emotionally closed off. Which we've kind of seen this in her character. She hasn't had too many appearances so far. But um, she definitely does give that vibe of uh yeah of like hard cop you know i gotta be a steel mm-hmm. wall yeah i agree and this is really let's see this is what her third episode that she's been in she, obviously she was in lonely hearts and then she had the brief appearance in i fall to pieces but that's been it right i believe so or no she also um she was also in room with a view very very briefly um oh yeah um, but this is really the first episode that gives her a lot of focus. Yeah, so um, much so that it feels like we're watching a cop drama. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah, and I mean, Angel, I'll I'll give Angel the fact that it's it's um it is a little bit of a different genre from Buffy mm-hmm. in that oh, we're trying to do we're trying to make a detective agency and uh we're yeah. helping anybody out that we can directly helping people as opposed to Buffy, which is just kind of about, you know, killing monsters. Um, but this even seems like a bridge too far for that. It seems like we're jumping into a whole new genre and we Mm -hmm. spent this episode. We spend so much time with the cops and Kate's story that it, uh, I I don't think it translates too well. I I don't think it it comes across as a good product. But uh, we are skipping a little bit ahead. Um, Kate uh, gives Angel some photos of little Tony and asks if uh, if she can help him. If she can, ha- if he can help her find him. Pronouns. Uh, and um, <laughs> and Angel says, "Oh yeah, sure. I owe you plenty of favors." And she says, "Well, it's not a favor. It's a job." And. Uh, and she basically kind of stipulates that she wants Angel to not tell anyone about it, you know, outside of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Angel's reason for this is probably more accurate than the reason that Kate gives. Uh, I think, yeah, I agree. It, it doesn't. It. I mean, I'm not a police officer, but I don't think it looks good when you are hiring outside help uh, to bring down a mob boss. I mean, I'm sure that. I'm sure that plenty of cops do that, but 
uh yeah it, it doesn't officially look great well and as as i'm sure as a woman kate is already fighting an uphill battle oh yeah for respect um it's it's not really um focused on a lot in this episode but there's definitely we're, we definitely see some like sexist microaggressions thrown kate's way throughout the episode even by her fucking insufferable goddamn father so um, a blonde with father issues but gosh she's just yeah. checking all of angel's list right now <laughs> That's literally all I could think of when the plot of her father was brought up. Like, oh man, like Angel's gonna be drooling over this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so. I mean, we'll get into it, but it's like it. It is like six different cliches. Like, yeah, no, time. this is this is um, the meat and potatoes of this episode are extremely familiar and. Yeah. It's like, I've kind of seen this before. That's mm-hmm. that's actually a little how I felt about uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, mm-hmm. n- no, uh, no spoilers, uh, since I know there are some people who probably don't have HBO Max and don't go to the movie theater. So, uh, yeah, you watch it, make your own decisions. Um, but uh, in the case of... Yeah, I really do think that um, Kate kind of wants her involvement with Angel to be on the DL. And you're right. Mm-hmm. I think she, and it gets to the point where she's trying to get uh Spivy to crack at the beginning of the episode. And all the guys are like, God, doesn't she sleep or go to the bathroom or something like that? And um, so it, it seems like Kate has two options. She can either be the girl cop or she can be like the super mm-hmm. tough cop. Um, and it, it doesn't seem like she's allowed to be anything in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, the team does do some... Does do some uh, searching through stuff. And uh, Doyle says to Angel, like, you know, come on, be nice to Cordelia. Which I don't think <laughs> Angel's really had that much of a problem being nice to Cordelia. It, it seems like... yeah. It seems like we've had, even over just five episodes, we've had growth and development between this relationship between Angel and Cordelia that went well beyond the little interactions they had together in Buffy. But it seems like that growth is just Mm -hmm. ignored here. And it's almost like they're back to square one. Perhaps there's still some tension over the peanut butter incident. Yes, the peanut butter incident. <laughs> Angel has Cordy looking through the corner reports, and he notices there are lots of pieces, <laughs> like lots of different pieces of lots of different guys. So this leads him to believe that maybe they're all kind of coming from the same kind of dumping ground. Uh, hey, mm. here we go with Dexter again. Um <laughs> <laughs> Then we get uh, the introduction to uh, Trevor Lockley, a.k.a. Kate's father. Um, yes, he makes it very clear that he is retiring, probably being forced into retirement because he doesn't seem too happy about it. Uh, 
Yeah, this does definitely feels like a involuntary retirement. But the Kate says that oh well they're um it's it's very obvious from the get go that Kate and uh, Trevor are not comfortable around each other. They they're very walled off from each other. Um, and uh, Kate kind of awkwardly says, "Well, you know, there's a there's this party that all the guys are having down at the blue bl- the blue bar, and uh, and so she." Uh, and she's been asked to say something about her dad. And, uh, and yeah, so the, it was, it was a, just a very awkward interaction. Like every, every interaction between Kate and her father is either awkward or infuriating. Sometimes both. Her dad sucks. I hate this guy so much. <laughs> so Kate gets a call and it is Angel. He's uh, got his sights on little Tony and two of his, two of his uh, goons on a pier <laughs> and uh so kate says all right well i'm on my way just get out of there like don't do anything and that is something that she is stressed <laughs> well angel does something <laughs> in all fairness i can't i can't fault him for this he had to do something because there was like a boat coming in and he didn't know how long it would take the cops to get there so, I can't fault him for doing something. I don't know about doing this. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the episode. No, yeah, because... I... This is so funny. I like, actually funny, not, like, something the episode desperately wants me to think is funny. Like, li- like what comes later. Yeah, it's... it's. Where Why does he even have this? Because he's a good detective, Jason, and he has to be prepared for any sort of disguise he might need to don. Harrison, this disguise is not subtle. When you're a detective, you want your disguises to be subtle. This, very much as Kate explains, is like a road flare. (laughs) Um, So he's wearing this bright Hawaiian shirt and a white hat. This might be the brightest colors we have ever seen Angel wear <laughs> in in the history of the character. Um, he introduces himself as Herb Saunders, <laughs> and I do like the mook being like, because Tony's like, "Who's this guy?" And the mook's just like, "It's Herb Saunders." Like, <laughs> he just said. Um, <laughs> uh, this leads me to uh, my gay agenda for this week. Um, I I believe Herb Saunders to be gay. I believe in his character work <laughs> that Angel did. Because Angel is nothing if not thorough. And he did character work, I believe. Um, I believe he made this character gay. <laughs> so um, that's just what I'm getting from him. That's just the energy that he's sending my way. Um, definitely so. sends a little bit of a flamboyantness with that, uh, mm-hmm. with that, yep. uh, color that he, the color mm-hmm. choice that he's made. Uh, uh, and it is a choice that he has made. <laughs> That's a choice. Uh, but, uh, so he makes this, he makes this random reason for him being on the dock that he's trying to catch a boat to Catalina. And, <laughs> This is like, 
I feel like this is the equivalent of um of in episode of in Star Wars episode three when uh, Obi Wan just jumps right down into the middle of the droid army and General Grievous. <laughs> He's just like, "Hello there!" Like, yeah. What was your second? What was the second part of this plan? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just it. There was not a second part of this plan. It's like, all right, I'm making it up as I go. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and he gives he gives up pretty much immediately. <laughs> He's like, "All right, this didn't work." <laughs> yeah, and so he ends up beating up the muscle, and uh, fortunately, uh, that gives enough time for the cops to get there, and uh, Kate is able to arrest uh, little Tony, uh, but she also uh, rounds on Angel and says that, uh, "Hey, so." What did I tell you about not putting yourself <laughs> into the middle of this? Yep. Kate is not happy. She decides to uh, just kind of leave it at that. And as the car is driving away, uh, Tony looks at Angel, just gives this like what what the Buffy wiki describes as a long, intense glare. Full of sexual tension. <laughs> it's like... That Herb Saunders guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who is he? That hair, that hat, that shirt. <laughs> the whole package. Um, <laughs> they really they really missed uh missed an opportunity here. <laughs> Man, th- this could w- w- this could have gone in a whole different direction. <laughs> uh agreed. It could have gone in a whole different direction all right then moving on uh <laughs> so uh when uh little tony uh gets his phone call he decides to call his lawyer and i mean if we're talking about a law firm and we're talking about angel who could it be <laughs> yes that's right we have the reappearance of wolfram and hart in this case uh his lawyer is jared kushner um, oh my god! Actually, he's got such a rat face. <laughs> His name's Lee Mercer, but damn if he doesn't look like Jared Kushner. Mm-hmm. Like, if if Jared Kushner is able to get away from uh from charges after all this is said and done, he should he should. His next job should be just playing the bad guy or the annoying lawyer in every single TV show. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> Uh, Even I Outlander. Say, I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought you were gonna say like he should go get a job at Wolfram and Hart. And I was like, he'd fit right in. I don't know, man. They might be like, whoa, you're too much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you are I, uh, overqualified. <laughs> I, you might be right. Even Wolfram and Hart has some standards. But yeah, um, Mercer does show up at the precinct. And he uh, is uh, talking about how um, he wants Tony transferred to another facility because, oh, he was mistreated and abused uh, by not only the police, but also an as-yet-unnamed assailant who is probably working with Kate. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, Kate, unfortunately, is getting pissed off about this, and uh, it's not looking too great fortune on the good the good news is that 
they still get to keep little Tony in their precinct. The bad news is that because of this, uh, uh, because of this, um, anger outburst that Kate has, the entire department is, uh, required to do some sensitivity training. Yeah. So this is an, part of why I really don't like this episode. I... How, how do I want to... A big part of this episode, obviously, it, are cops. And um, there's this discussion about police brutality in here. Um, and it almost... I, I, I don't know that this was on purpose, but it almost feels like the episode's going like, like, isn't it silly that cops should have to learn like empathy and, you know, how to not beat people? Yeah, it's... And even in 1999, I mean, the Rodney King riots were, were, which were about police brutality, specifically by the LAPD, was, that was like the early 90s. So it's not like this conversation we've been having a lot this year about on that subject. It ain't new. This is not a new topic. Yeah. Even in 1999, that was very much on the public radar, especially in L.A. So it this whole thing is weird, and I don't know what they're trying to say or if they're trying to... I, I guess maybe that's the problem. I don't think they're trying to say anything. I thought they. Were, I think they just thought... We'll have this zany episode where it'll be funny if all the cops have, like, their emotions going wild without actually thinking that through. So, um, I I do also want to bring up that, uh, when Mercer says, uh, when Mercer's demands aren't met, he threatens to bring the department into the court of public opinion, which, as we know is not a safe place for the police department. And he does, uh, drop the, he does drop the reference to, uh, Mark Furman, um, who, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, um, Mark Furman was actually the detective in charge of the OJ, uh, case, um, and the, uh, murder of, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Nicole Simpson Brown. Yes, there you go. And, uh, and then, oh gosh, uh, and the, the the guy who no one ever remembers his name, and I always feel so bad about that. Um, Nicole like Nicole Arnold Brown something. Simpson. Uh, or, yeah. Yes. Um, do, 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 do. I, I feel like here I am trying to. Uh, uh, it was Ron Goldman. Yes. Yeah, here I am trying to give this info, and uh, I'm lacking on it myself. Um, and so it's funny that you brought up Rodney... Not funny, but it is interesting that you brought up Rodney King, and then we have this OJ reference, because I remember uh, last year, one of the things that I watched was um, the OJ Made in America documentary, and uh, the documentary series, and um, obviously in the uh, midst of the OJ trial and all that went on with that the uh the rodney king uh murder was brought up as well um and i watched that like maybe a month after the uh george floyd uh, protest started and i was like oh my god 
nothing has changed mm-hmm. nothing got done it was it yeah. was very disheartening um mm-hmm. but that being said an extremely well done documentary uh, oj made in america i don't know if it's still on uh, hulu but it is probably still on uh, espn plus um but anyway yeah so uh so angel is uh is basically just trying to go about business as usual cordelia's like oh well you know what this is like a this is nice there were no demons or anything so it was a pretty fun pretty easy little Nothing job i had to dismember yeah <laughs> she's not she's not letting go of that <laughs> boring old evil um but uh yeah apparently angel's intuition is attuned to that but has not even noticed her shoes and uh angel her brand new shoes and angel immediately uh says well you know cordelia men and shoes and then doyle walks in and immediately notices her new shoes which isn't exactly fair to angel because doyle's obsessed with cordelia (laughs) also those shoes weren't very nice. I didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Not the point, but like... I How dare like, you say oh, that yeah, the fashion-savvy Cordelia has made a bad choice in shoes. Uh, Angel's told by uh, Doyle that, you know, little Tony's planning something. That's literally it. Um, just that he's up to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate yep. heads to the blue bar. Um, and everybody's kind of like congratulating her because hey, she got little Tony. This is a very elusive mob boss. Um, and yeah, and even her, uh, good for her. Even her dad um, awkwardly decides to buy her a beer. Uh, and at this point, this is when she finds out about the mandatory sensitivity training, and uh, and um, her father makes the point that like, oh well. Back in my day, we didn't need to do sensitivity training. Which, hey... Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, which, hey, is, you know, one obvious just from the way that you act. But, uh... Yeah. But, yeah. I, and, you know, I do want to say I, that sounded a little, like, dismissive. Um, obviously, police officers not having sensitivity training is not the only problem. Yeah. But, you know. But, uh... Yeah, so then we get this sensitivity training, and I, I it's really hard to talk about how I feel about this uh, episode because while I while I admit that um, I believe that sensitivity training is important, um, not just I mean for in all professions, but definitely for police officers, I feel like mm-hmm. making this like evil but also appear as like corny kind of undercuts Mm -hmm. just how important it is to have like sensitivity because as was discussed at length in our country um over the last year uh so many responsibilities are put onto police officers um some things that uh they honestly shouldn't even be worrying about um, they should mm-hmm. like it should be in the hands of therapists and um, counselors yep. and stuff like that. Um, but if that's not going to happen, if the police are going to be these first responders, then they need to have this. They need to be 
they need to have the sensitivity to deal with volatile situations. Um, and, and at first it seems like uh, Alan Lloyd, the head of the seminar, is making good points, but then he says that, like, oh, well, I've got this talking stick. and Yeah, it's such a joke. It really <laughs> is. Like, I mean, know your audience. I mean, this mm-hmm. is like... This is like how you talk to a fucking grade school class, not like, not yeah. actual cops. They're not going to take this seriously. Yeah. Also, did you know that these other officers, the who are basically extras and are not named Kate Lockley, did you know that their names are Heath, Dave, Mary, and George, according to the Buffy wiki? Because I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I did know Heath because um, he is the first one to get the talking stick, and. Um, okay. He immediately uh, opens up about um, gro- like having to be strong because his uh, he had a lot of he had six brothers and this Something led to like him that. yeah this led to him being uh and this led to him being like having to defend himself uh, his dad was gone his mom uh, his mom was the only one there um, and uh, Kate makes a. Uh, makes a not too great joke when somebody's having this kind of breakthrough right um, what a toxic work environment that one of your co-workers is having this like really emotional moment and kate who is by the way just as a reminder nominally our hero of this episode uh is just a dick to him about it like <laughs> yeah it's um i'll admit that it's strange but at the same time, like, that the whole, like, opening up of emotions, but at the same time, um, you don't interrupt that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Dude. It is. Uh, this leads to Alan handing her the talking stick, and um, Alan just kind of immediately gets a bead on her that, uh, oh, she's been hurt in the past. Um, Daddy she's, issues. Yeah, she's afraid, like a robot for it. Pretty much. Um, she's afraid of being hurt again, and anger is just fear being heard i mean he's not wrong but he's yeah, not. It's, like, yeah like, it's, it's this toddler hand holding that we're getting that's so frustrating yeah uh but yeah so then we go to a um then we go to a scene that somehow while being very short felt like it went on too long um uh-huh. just like oh this like uh they're at this gym and uh, they, like, find Doyle's informant, and there's something about gym memberships and everything. It's, it, I don't know if it's trying to be funny, but it fell extremely flat. Um, oh, my God. Like, with a fucking thud. Like, I I remember, I think I, like, actively kind of, like, or not actively, I was, I, I, like, tuned out, but, like, not on purpose. I just found my attention drifting elsewhere during this scene yeah um <laughs> but uh, but yeah so this leads to uh but basically the the thing we get out of this is that uh it sounds like uh lt little tony is uh planning a hit on kate so angel of course has to go and tell her and um kate is immediately kind of like not only receptive to Angel's warning, but also, hey, I'm really sorry about being testy with you at the pier. And uh, she starts, she starts uh, letting free this um, 
this uh psycho babble as she refers to yeah. it uh but yeah she's yeah she's basically um saying a lot of things that you would hear about uh, that you would hear in like kind of a psych 101 class almost yeah. i do like her line that she she's like i'll be back to my u- my usual level of cynicism soon i i thought that was pretty funny um yeah I, there's I, a I couple good give... lines here and there yeah um i want to give props to elizabeth rome um i think she is given such shit to work with in this episode but i think she performs it admirably i yeah i think she's really good in a really crappy episode and i, yeah. and I think david Boreanaz also later in the episode um it is really like i don't like what's happening but I always enjoy the opportunity to watch David Boreanaz get to play something like different than his normal broody angel. Um, so I think both both of these actors really deliver when they really didn't have to. <laughs> I would not have blamed either of them if they had just. <laughs> yeah, um, we do find out that obviously. Um... Just from the fact that that walking that talking stick looked incredibly like something evil, uh, okay. and you know maybe talking sticks just in general are evil, but in this case, this one actually is evil. Um, and Alan Lloyd is revealed to be working with Jared Kushner, and uh, it's like, oh okay. hey, just one just one more session, and everything we'll get the results that we need. Um, they do this at uh where at Alan Lloyd's base. Where he's got this weird little shrine set up that's got lots of um, pools of incense and candles and shit. And, you know, your typical typical demon <coughs> altar, shrine, whatever. Yep. Um, <laughs> now we... Oh, and um, one thing that uh, Kate does ask is uh, she does ask if Angel will come with her oh, to yeah, the party. Um which is kind of important because otherwise we'll be like, oh, what's Angel doing at this party? Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, and uh, this part and one more thing that she says uh, does kind of push forward a little bit of the attraction of Kate towards Angel. Um, because she does kind of make it sound like she's asking him out on a date. Mm-hmm. Um or at least she's got all the anxiety that goes with asking someone out on a date, especially if you don't ask them out already. Um, but yeah, so they go to the uh, they go to this party, and uh, and uh, Kate is obviously talking about how she's really nervous and scared. Angel says like, "Oh, well, I don't think uh, little Tony would try something in this room full of cops. She's just worried about public speaking." She completely forgot that there was like, oh like, yeah, that an death assassination threat. <laughs> happening against her, and it's just like, oh no, I'm talking about this speech I have to make. Um, but in I, all fairness, given the speech, I probably uh, would have gone with the yeah. death. Threat. I I don't have I don't have like a fear of public speaking. I, I quite enjoy public speaking. Um, I, I talk a lot. Um, but I, so I couldn't relate on, like, that particular point, but, um, just the general idea of being so anxious about, like, one particular thing that, like, 
it is clouded out things that are arguably more like dire felt very real to me yeah no i i totally get that i'm i'm also in the camp though of uh i'm not i do not have a fear of public speaking as long as i like you know have a decent idea of what i'm talking about like mm-hmm. if if you ask me to uh if you ask me to go like up on a stage and give a scholarly lecture on mesopotamia then i'd be a little anxious but also a little confused it's like how did i get here how did how did how did i get chosen for this task <laughs> sure everyone there's someone knows that... that my area of expertise is barcelona <laughs> oh barcelona uh the planet barcelona <laughs> is that a futurama doctor who doctor who yes yeah. that's right um, right before uh, uh, Christopher Eccleston's regeneration into David Tennant, uh, but uh, you did I did I ever tell you about my? Um, I had a recurring. I wouldn't call it a nightmare, more like a stress dream. Like I, they, it wasn't horrifying enough to be an, considered a nightmare. But I do, I did have this recurring dream, and this is before I had ever read Pride and Prejudice, so I didn't know a lot about it. But I dreamt that I was in a production of Pride and Prejudice as Mr. Darcy. But my knowledge of the role of the entire story was equal to that at the time. So I didn't even know what <laughs> what happened in Pride and Prejudice. So I ended up making shit up about aliens or something like that. Oh my. No, you've never told me that, but that's hilarious. But it's funny because um, there were a couple of people who told me that, uh, you know, you'd probably make a good Mr. Darcy. And then I, I um, see it. and then uh, what I actually just read the book for the first time last year. And when I read it, I'm like, oh, man, this dude's a dick. I mean, he's not trying to be a dick, but he's a dick. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> But he grows and he learns. He, he, a he does a little, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Angel then makes the uh, comment like, "Oh, you know, what's that old, old saw? Like, picture the audience in their underwear." And she's like, "Way ahead of you." She says this while looking at Angel. So yeah, I was like, "Okay, horn dog." <laughs> that that's the other kind of signal <laughs> that uh, if she doesn't want to pursue a relationship with him, she is because she very much seems like the kind of person that would put her job before any relationship but um uh i I, she's definitely she's definitely wanting to take a drink out of that tall glass of water listen you know my theory my my (laughs) everyone uh, is attracted to angel slash david boreanaz put kate on the list (laughs) the list that's everybody um (laughs) but yeah uh she does um uh, she does introduce him to her father, and uh, they're trying to be, you know, kind of nice to each other. And um, her her dad just immediately assumes one that they're dating, um, mm-hmm. and two, uh, he apparently previously assumed that Kate was a lesbian. Yeah, what it. Yes, this is not that obviously not that there's anything wrong with being a lesbian. And you know, there's also not nothing wrong with a parent. Uh, You know, a lot of parents 
know when their children are gay or at least you know have suspicion but to just say this to a complete stranger in front of her yeah oh my god fuck this dude i hate him so much and you can tell the way that he said it he obviously would have looked down on it had it been true oh absolutely yeah yeah um hate him so much yeah so not good but hey you know what he's about to get like if you if you thought he was being open about his feelings um now uh kate is uh brought up to talk and uh what starts as a congratulations soon becomes just a an opening the floodgates of all of her pent-up emotions towards her dad towards abandonment towards um like the hardness that uh he had towards her uh towards the fact that like that is kind of she said that like his behavior is kind of what led him or what led kate to become a cop which in Mm -hmm. this case doesn't sound like a good thing um yeah it's so uncomfortable but i do really like the buffy wiki here um starting out with a deeply touching blend of humor and candor Kate soon transitions into storms and gales of raw emotion, broaching subjects far too personal and potentially damaging for the venue or for the occasion. Thanks, Buffy Wiki. Wow, that's a that's a way to put it. I mean, that someone got very uh, some someone in the Buffy fandom out there was like, "Oh yeah, I know what this Buffy Wiki plot recap needs: some purple prose." Love it. I will say those words do paint a picture. They um, do. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. Yeah, this is um and so here's the problem with this and we've already kind of alluded to it. This is basically um this followed by uh comments from the other police officers you would think that something like this this is a huge moment for anybody. Um, mm-hmm. to like talk to their talk like bring up a almost abu- emotionally abusive relationship um, is it the right place to do it one would say no but it's but then all of the then this infection of sharing emotions breaks out amongst the police officers mm-hmm. and I don't know. You said that it, it was supposed to come across as funny. Um, I think so. Like, yeah, and it's so bizarre. Yeah, and it. Either way, it it seems like the writers are making it come off as like, oh, this shouldn't be happening. Cops shouldn't be sharing their feelings, which is that, and and um, just to like go back to what you said about Elizabeth Rome, like her. Uh, her transition to all of this is very believable. It is, mm-hmm. again, she's not given good material, but she has a, she does this with a plum. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's fr- what's frustrating um, is they're taking something that could be um, uh, very ro- uh, raw emotionally and honest and um, a good moment for her character and turns it into this, uh, this, this, this. Yeah, it's it, it's really weird. Just, I mean, it. 
it makes it, it makes you feel the wrong sort of uncomfortable and mm-hmm. yeah um yeah. so angel uh so like uh while all the officers are busy dealing with their emotions angel takes uh kate back to his office where um cordelia and doyle they come in and are uh and are um, immediately thrown by uh by kate's presence there and also the way that kate is acting mm-hmm. um <laughs> I, I do love uh, Cordelia's entrance when she says, Ugh, this is getting so in the way of my potential social life. I swear, why did I ever start working for a ventriloquist? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but you know what, Cordy? You're right. You should have expected late nights when you started working with a vampire. I mean, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's sh- yeah, Th- that's poor planning on her part if she wasn't ready for that. Um, yeah. uh, Angel gets the uh, flyer from Kate about the uh, sensitivity training. Uh, he while he's getting an address, um, Kate immediately uh, Kate immediately says like, uh, "Oh, well, you know what? He's clearly got a crush on you," and um, <laughs> just kind of calls it. Uh, that's very funny. Yeah, um, so Angel's like, I need you two to stay here, watch her, while I go find this guy, and shortly after that, she's like, I need, uh, Kate just says, I need to, I need to, like, go get my dad, I need to find my daddy, and, and, um, Cordelia and Dora are like, okay, well, how about we just calm down for a minute, She's like, I- I'm sorry. It's just that I've got this a lot of things to say. Like, no, I've got this gun. This gun. And, and, <laughs> and if either of you try to stop me, I'm going to kill you. And she says all this in like this very weird way that is that yeah. is one of the few things that comes off as funny in this. No, this was very <laughs> yeah. funny. And she says something along the lines of like, I don't want to sound insensitive, but like, I'll shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> and Elizabeth Rome nails it like this is legitimately funny the timing of the i've got this thing like things to say no gun (laughs) she's like like, and her body she's doing this like spaghetti thing with her body like like very loose very like poor gun safety which is very funny because we've seen kate handle a gun before and we know that she knows gun safety obviously but she's just like so loose with it like um she reminds me for all, of like yeah um, for like a floozy from like a like a I, I this sound that sounds horrible but like from like one of like an old movie and some like pinup girl's got a gun and she's like i, I wish the listeners could see what i'm doing with my body <laughs> no um it's uh it reminds me of indiana jones and the temple of doom and anytime willie had hold of a gun yes uh, yes no thank you that's perfect <laughs> that is that is ex- yes Oh, Willie. <sighs> Kate Capshaw. Poor thing. Um, it's not her fault that Willie is such a terrible <laughs> character. Uh, but yeah. Um, also, for those of you who are getting all of your tips on gun safety from <laughs> proper gun handling from Angel, one, don't. <laughs> and two, not. especially not with this scene. Don't don't <laughs> fling a gun everywhere. <laughs> Cordelia and Doyle's reaction to this is hilarious too. They're, 
you know, I don't think Cordelia and Doyle get a lot. They're not well utilized in this episode. But this moment where they're both like, whoa, not did not sign up for this. Like, that was funny. But yeah, um, so Angel, uh, meanwhile, goes to the very strangely set up apartment lair of of um of alan and here's the thing i get that like his altar and everything is weird but the the overall architecture of the inside of this building is weird like it, it almost comes across <laughs> as like a strange sort of prison like it feels even more out of place than the mansion from sunnydale <laughs> like it, it's just yeah, like why wouldn't this guy just live in an apartment like he's just i mean i like obviously he's like a warlock or whatever but he's still a person like <laughs> even even angel has an apartment i mean it's yeah an underground lair apartment <laughs> i guess i'm kind of undercutting my own point right now <laughs> uh but yeah angel basically gets what he needs from alan but at the same time alan's trying to do Alan's trying to do his whole therapy thing, and Angel's really not falling for it. He does, uh, he does talk about how his parents tasted like chicken. Ooh, I, I, yeah, um, that very uncomfortable. Yeah, that's funny. I was, I was watching this episode last night, and uh, John was doing something else, but he like he walked through the living room at this point at that line and he turned like he had like this list he was like wait what like, <laughs> uh and you know john's watched all of angel yeah no yeah it's so, this is instantly was, forgettable yeah <laughs> but, but also very disturbing it, right he I, I i can't remember exactly what he said but i remember he made some sort of comment about like angel wouldn't say that like <laughs> And I was like, you're right. Angel would not say that. But yeah, um, Angel takes the uh, takes the magic, takes the talking stick, which we don't know is magic yet. And, but we've all kind of assumed that it is. Yeah. Like it, it was very obvious kind of from the be- kind of from the first time we see this guy that, oh, something's wrong and it's probably focused in this stick. Yeah, it's so weird that this episode see- I- seems to be like saving these reveals like he's bad we know he got hired by wolfram and hart the stick is magic obviously <laughs> everyone starts acting weird when they touch it like i and they're of, not stupid <laughs> and of course and of course with uh with angel uh touching it that means that he's gonna act weird too we'll get to yep. that um yeah kate's just calling for her dad in this in the precinct where everybody's just kind of like they're all they're all in different emotional states um and then uh heath uh he kind-hearted heath as the buffy wiki kind, puts it kind-hearted keith okay i want i want to meet the beautiful beautiful person who wrote the who wrote the plot synopsis for this episode on the buffy Wiki. yeah the, yeah this there. is like this, this, this is this is pretty hot. quality stuff this, this this plot synopsis is so much fucking better than the episode <laughs> that it's describing but um so he he feels bad that all the prisoners are locked up so he decides to unlock all of their all of their cells 
And then he says I don't this. I why I'm laughing. Then he says this line a... that um, is shameful that they say it and don't have any follow-up to it. But he says, oh, they're worse. They're like being in here just makes them worse. And I'm like, ooh, that's um, that's actually kind of an accurate assumption of the uh, of the jail and prison system. But yep. we're not going to talk about that because um, nope, yeah, they uh, when Heath is trying to tell all of the prisoners like, hey guys, listen, I think we should all get together, and then he gets the shit kicked out of him because oh, they're prisoners. Heath. Yes, and what of course, hearted Heath, and of course, one of these prisoners is Little Tony. He was expecting this to happen. Angel reveals the plan that uh, that he found out. However, he does it um, like Cordelia and Doyle meet Angel at the precinct, and uh, he immediately says, "Okay, I think someone needs a hug," and he's <laughs> hugging them. And the the tone that Angel uses for these scenes, it's so I, I love that David Boreanaz is able to make this completely different from how angel normally sounds Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i also kind of like this um uh cordelia's reaction to this is very like um almost like be careful what you wish for she's been watching the whole episode that angel doesn't care enough which of course we discussed is bullshit but whatever um but when this happens cordelia is like ew 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 hate it too much too much (laughs) but yeah obviously the talking stick was cursed it was supposed to uh it was supposed to lead to chaos at the station which would eventually lead to little tony getting out and which is kind of a little bit of an assumption to make of i a bit yeah, of a leap it, i guess i guess they did, i i i'm in my head i'm going like i don't think they knew specifically that kind-hearted heath um as i will referred to him from here on out specifically would just open the cells but i do think it's fair to say that if there's all this massive chaos going on that some opportunity would present itself so i I think the plan was cause chaos and then from there like i guess improvise yeah makes sense um but yeah so they that's uh, all you can do yeah so they uh angel is um Angel is feeling all sorts of feelings, including sympathy for little Tony. Um, Cordelia's so, pissed about this. Yeah, so they try to get into the station, but I will I will say this: the cop who uh, who says that they're closed to Doyle. <laughs> that scene's also very funny. That was funny. I also really liked uh, Angel being like Cordelia's trying to get him to to vamp out, and he's like, no. I feel you all withdraw from me when I do that. I it makes closeness me feel is very important to me right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Kate's been leaving messages on her dad's answering machine because she has to talk to him. Unfortunately, now little Tony's out of his cell. At cell, well, <laughs> yep. Little Tony's out of his cell, and he basically tells all the other guys that they work for him now. Um, they get a hold of uh, some shotguns, and uh, then they shoot a cop, which I'm assuming kills him, which, that's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. But, he seemed dead. Yeah. 
Um, one can only hope he was wearing his bulletproof vest, but even then, I think those can only do so much. Um, but yeah, so he is just dead set on killing Kate, who he refers to as a lady cop. Um, yeah. Yeah. When, when Kate first brings little Tony in, um, he said he he says like the whole oh if i had known you were chasing after me this much i would have let you catch me sooner so very much like yeah the last thing we need is more of this uh ridiculousness oh one thing i forgot to mention her partner um i forget his name or the guy who works at the desk next to uh kate um harlan i think sure is that right i don't remember but no he, he like he um kate's going through all this stuff with her um with her dad and uh then uh this guy says like oh well i've been telling you for like two years that i love you and you oh, won't yeah. love me back i'm like oh she says something just i feel like she had some sort of funny line in response to that maybe not do you remember what she no, I, just, I I think maybe I was too busy like cringing at uh, at this admission of love. Um, yeah, but very, uh, uh, very very gross. But yeah, uh, this. Um, but then uh, he finds. Uh, but then little Tony shows up, and he's about to uh, shoot Kate. But this leads to uh, Angel, Cordy, and Doyle showing up, and this starts coming off as a therapy session as angel and Kate try to help little Tony through his aggressions. And, um, I mean, I I get that this is like what they wanted to utilize this humor for, but it seems like all the buildup to it is, uh, very unwelcome. Uh, it is. And I can like, there are parts of this, like in a, in a void, in a vacuum that I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny. Um, that line that very stupid line that angel has where he's like um you can be uh, a rainbow instead of a pain bow and yeah david boreanaz does these like little finger quotes when he says pain bow that sold that line for me <laughs> i i don't know I think without those little finger quotes, I would have been like, what the fuck? But just the way David Boreanaz delivers it with the little finger quotes uh, made me laugh so hard. It's really stupid, but I did laugh. But uh, Angel does... Um, the the sensitivity that Angel has on display does not stop him from beating the shit out of all the bad nope. guys. Um, it, it just... It, it's just punctuated differently. Yeah. Um but yeah, and in the end, uh, they, uh, with all the, with all of the, uh, gangsters and clean little Tony on the floor, um, uh, Kate looks at Angel, and then they, like, have a moment where they share a hug, they hug it out, um, so after all of this occurs, uh, l- the next day, little Tony is calling, uh, Mercer, uh, Jared Kushner, for those of you who've forgotten, and, um, <laughs> And he says, oh, well, like, uh, where's my limo? And so the senior partner's like, yeah, so you fucked this up, so we're done with you. Yeah. Um, and he does say that there are pressing, there are more pressing concerns. He does this while watching security footage of Angel. So, I mean, Angel was kind of already on their radar anyway after, um, you know, throwing that guy out of a window. Uh, yep. 
the, the word defenestration comes to mind. Uh, Such a good word. And you can't, and you don't get to use it that often. Um, it is. One of, sorry, I'm going to go on a brief tangent, but one of my favorite uses of the word defenestration, and I actually feel like I've said this on the podcast before. You but have, because I already know myself. what it is. <laughs> it's in Hannibal after, um, in the season two finale, spoilers, uh, the character of Alana gets defenestrated and she gets thrown out of a window. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous scene. Um, everything about that, say that a woman... Everything about the season two finale is it's perfection. So it is... It is one of my favorite episodes of television ever. Yeah. Um, and there's a line in season three where she says, like, um, defenestration such a great word, and now I have an excuse to use it in everyday conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just some really nice dark humor that that show did so well. Um, but yeah, but now basically it's implied that Angel's about to start getting targeted by Wolfram and Hart. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, he's he's uh, becoming a, a nuisance. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, little Tony's pretty much, like, going to be going to go to prison. Um, yeah, everybody's kind of... The next morning, everybody's kind of going back to the whole... Meh, meh, uh, all the cops in the precinct. And... Um, Angel is has this awkward conversation with Kate, and uh, they talk about how um, neither of them really remember the events of last of that last night. Though it's kind of implied that Kate maybe does, and mm-hmm. um, Angel probably does too. But he's trying but I just to don't want. It. Yeah, these are two very like stoic people who they do not want. Uh, yeah, I didn't buy that they didn't remember it for a second. They just yeah. don't want to admit what happened. Um, I do like that Kate's like, um, they're, they're investigating the bar because they think someone, uh, spiked, spiked the, punch. the punch at the retirement party. Um, which, all right, fair. That's, honestly, that is one of the more plausible, like, um, like, it can't be magic excuses. Way, you know, I'd buy that, I'd buy that easier than gangs on PCP. Um, <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, so then I will say, I I didn't I didn't remember this episode. I've apparently tried to forget it. But then we do have a, as Angel's leaving, um, he kind of stops and sees Kate uh, having a conversation with her dad, and he's like, "Yeah, so I got your messages," and she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm really sorry. It was all like supposed to. It it, it was all kind of weird and everything." But then he just immediately says like, "Hey." Um, you embarrass me in front of all of my friends and uh, mm. don't bring it up again. So it, it really does look like for a second that um, the episode's going to end on like, you know, the cheery note of, oh, maybe this is the moment when they finally like kind of talk to each other. But uh, that doesn't happen. And I honestly yeah. feel like I would have felt more annoyed if it did go for the cheesy ending. So it's so funny you say that, and I agree. I agree completely. Um, according it, uh, to the behind the scenes information, and I will say this is not. There's no citation here, so obviously grain of salt. Blah blah blah. But originally, um, Tim Minear's uh, mm. original ending did have more of a happy ending of them like working it out, um, and uh, Joss Whedon suggesting 
they changed that and i think that changes <laughs> yeah. for the best that is um that is totally joss whedon like <laughs> oh why have them be happy when they can be sad instead and you know though in this case obviously joss whedon has that reputation and um I do think in this case it's the right call though. That would have felt so unearned, so fake. Yeah, I mean, um, in, in a in an episode that's full of like cheap cliches, that would have been the cheapest cliche. Yes, uh, yeah. If, if it's like, oh well, you know what? Let's let's finally sit down and have a talk. Uh, yeah, it didn't. Um, and and for a minute, like, cause like I said, I forgot about this episode. I actually thought that they were gonna do that. So um, I'd say like that part is directed very well. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and Rome is so great. She doesn't say a word after her dad leaves, and I'm just yeah. like, I'm in her pain. She she really delivers. Oh, excuse me. Um, all right, no, never mind. Yeah, John Mahone. Um, I have to say that he basically, uh, I can't be mad at him. I'm mad at the character because like he yeah. nails exactly what the character is supposed to be, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so they they got him to portray a very um a very important uh part of um of kate's development ideally uh but who knows where this um who knows where this will this will be carried on uh but yeah that's the um that's sense and sensitivity it's interesting that um this is oh you made that yeah i made that pride and prejudice prejudice joke and yeah (laughs) i didn't even think about that that's funny uh but yeah um this uh i'm pretty sure we said um pretty sure we said everything that we felt about this episode this this is very um this this takes some important issues that i think deal with law enforcement but definitely shows its age because Mm -hmm. um it very much is trying to get the uh it almost comes across as saying that the tough cop persona is what neat is the norm and what needs to be there um yeah and uh, and that this like sensitive side is like an aberration yeah and like yeah it's like yeah the message seems to weirdly be like cops shouldn't be emotionally healthy yeah just like yikes yikes on bikes yeah and and like i said this this spends so much time with the police force and takes so long to actually get to the point where the uh where the um where like the evil magic villain is revealed that Mm -hmm. uh even though we all know what's going on it, it just feels i don't know lame for lack of a better word um it feels not even like it obviously doesn't feel like buffy but it doesn't even feel like angel at this point either yeah yeah i agree i don't mind necessarily the the cop heavy side of things i mean that's to me that's just gonna happen when one of your major supporting characters is a police officer if you're doing an episode that focuses heavily on her obviously you're gonna be in that world but yeah it's everything it just feels weird so dumb it's so you know i don't obviously we both said there were things we liked that you know there were moments that like were fine but yeah um it's weird too that this was written by tin minear who um this is the first 
uh, the first episode that Tim Minear wrote uh, of Angel that aired, but it's actually the second episode that he wrote. Um, he also wrote an episode before this that actually airs later in the season called Somnambulist, which, if I'm remembering correctly, is actually a really good episode. Um, but Tim Minear goes on to be one of the um, one of the uh, major writers of the series. Yeah, and you'll see that name popping his, up uh, quite frequently. I'm looking at some of the episodes he wrote. He wrote Hero. He wrote Sanctuary. He wrote Are You Now or Have You Ever Been, which is one of my favorite episodes of the entire show. He wrote... Oh, one of them he wrote... The the, uh, the title is a massive spoiler so, that I almost said, but I'm, so I'm going to... Uh, keep that one to myself but, hang on uh, uh, let me let me check and see uh which one it is uh i think i think you'll know once you once you look at the list writer um uh, oh i mean do you mean the uh the one that starts with the d is that yeah the yeah the uh the yeah. second season episode yeah okay yeah um <laughs> i have to say i like that uh I like that he also wrote Through the Looking Glass, which I believe is a... Oh, yeah, that's yes, a good one. Yes, I I really do enjoy this episode. Um, yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll get to all those later. This episode is a bit of an aberration amongst his uh, episodes that he wrote. Um, I think we're going to find that uh, he's a much better writer than uh, this episode would suggest. Yeah, I don't think... Um, I think that that happens. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know perfect. if every episode that Joss Whedon wrote was uh, was an absolute uh, winner. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. Uh, so if, yeah, I'm going to... Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Give it your score. Uh, I dislike this episode so, so much. Um... <laughs> I'm giving it one and a half Herb Saunders out of five. I was going to give it one and a half uh, spiked punches at a police party, a police retirement party. Because, you know, they were definitely drinking punch and not champagne and beer. <laughs> right? It's just not a good episode. And it, it's honestly, I might be my least favorite episode of either show. Um that we've done so far like even like crappy episodes like i robot you jane like teacher's pet they're like fun bad and this one was just bad bad i do think that i this is the lowest score i've given an episode i think it i think it's my lowest score i've given too. should probably be keeping track of these but <laughs> we really should but <laughs> any listeners who want to go back and uh... <laughs> make that list for us <laughs> but yeah it's just not good it's yeah. not good i don't like it but i mean hopefully we've got something good coming up next week uh would you like to talk about that harrison i would <laughs> uh when we started this episode i was so tired and I, i'm still so tired but i feel like i'm getting into like uh exhaustion giddiness um <laughs> Anyway, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 7, The Initiative. Ooh. I'm Jason. I wonder what that could be. <laughs> I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij 357 
or on Twitter at just plain old yummy J. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. I also have a blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, where I talk about a different horror movie each week. However, twist, <laughs> this week, I, uh, I briefly stepped out of the film medium and covered the horror survival video game Alien Isolation. Ooh. Which is, spoilers, the review's already up so you can go read it, uh, is a great fucking game. Cool. Uh, you can find us on in- on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in both instances, A-N-D. Also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting the Equal Justice Initiative. The Equal Justice Initiative is committed to ending mass incarceration and excessive punishment in the United States, to challenging racial and economic injustice, and to protecting basic human rights for the most vulnerable people in American society. Visit www.e as in Ephraim, J as in Joanna, and I as in Igor, .org for more information. What a what an interesting alphabet you used there. Well, you know, like I mean, it, it was it was off the cuff. I, I didn't want to say E J I. Fair. When I um when an old job I I had years and years ago, we um uh, I worked I was working in a call center, and we would joke that when we have to spell out things to to people calling in, we should like slip in like a random curse word like in the middle and be like that's. H, like honey, A, like asshole, R, like Robert. I'm sorry, what was that? A, like apple. (laughs) Just like really slip it in real casual and then like act like you did. We obviously never did that. But uh, it was like a recurring joke that we would. um, We did um, actually come up with like really random, like actually do like really weird alphabet things. Like instead of A, like apple, we'd be like A, like ankylosaurus um anyway as always go slay and be gay goodbye that's ridiculous (laughs) 